0: Hi everyone, this piece is called The Addictive Nature of Affection um, where I just do some reflecting about dating, anxious attachment, and I think how a lot of it permeates other aspects of my life. Let's get started. This was supposed to be a piece about a completely different topic, but here I am doing my first ever honest reflection on my dating life. So, how did we get here? Maybe it's been, say, drumbeat of weddings I've been attending, maybe it's the first hint of spring arriving in New York, maybe it's my parents' lighthearted jokes about how long I've been single, slowly evolving into genuine concern. As you know, I've been working on becoming more self-aware and emotionally resilient, but I realized that this journey feels incomplete without understanding this critical aspect of our lives. You know, it's something that can elicit so much genuine happiness and fulfillment when it's going well, and so much heartache and insecurity when it's not. Romantic relationships aren't an easy topic to write about, and I'm especially sensitive to how being a single 20-something male can cast an unfavorable shadow on what I'm about to say pile on the simple fact that I've neither prioritized nor been particularly intentional about my dating life and we kind of have a perfect storm of me being out of my depth. What is pushing me forward is a recent revelation that none of the things I've been thinking about my mental health, my friendships, my career, my interests, and more recently my past and future romantic relationships can be compartmentalized. They're all driven by the same underlying set of fears and insecurities, even though they manifest themselves differently in their respective contexts. It's worth reflecting on how I've handled previous romantic relationships, the psychology that motivated these behaviors, and what I hope to work on in the future. So here I am, sipping a glass of whiskey, listening to Death Cab for Cutie, trying to examine my own psychology through a lens I've been previously neglecting. I'm hopeful this gives me a fresh outlook on not just how I approach relationships, but how I can continue my emotional fitness journey moving forward. Previous relationships. Don't worry, I have no intention of doing a lengthy postmortem of each romantic relationship. I'll spare you my rendition of To All the Boys I've Loved Before and just say that there have been some really beautiful moments, some really awful ones, and some hilariously embarrassing ones punctuated throughout. All these experiences provide unique and valuable lessons, but after learning more about romantic attachment styles, I realized that they all shared similar patterns. For the uninitiated, there are four types of romantic attachment styles. Anxious, avoidant, fearful avoidant, and secure. With the heavy caveat that attachment styles change depending on the relationship and context, I've historically exhibited anxious attachment tendencies. People with this attachment style have A strong desire for emotional closeness, but fear abandonment. We're comfortable sharing our genuine feelings of affection, but bottle up any negative emotions for fear that they can cause conflict. This often means that we're highly attuned to what our partners need, but oftentimes don't consider our own needs. Left unchecked, those with anxious attachment turn our partner's affection into an addictive form of external validation affection becomes the primary focus rather than the overall health of the relationship itself. I still cringe remembering a time when I skipped class to buy an ex-girlfriend's favorite cookies, thinking those sort of heroics could fix a relationship that was well past its expiration date. We broke up a few days later. When our partners start pulling away and we're no longer getting that steady dopamine hit of devotion, the confidence and independence we've so carefully cultivated can turn into crippling anxiety. Almost like an addict going through withdrawal, our behavior can change dramatically. For me, signs of trouble cause me to completely shut down emotionally. I tell myself, and regrettably even my partner sometimes, how meaningless the relationship is. I build up a wall and attack first before this hollowing sense of being abandoned can land its punches. I've pushed partners away with measured indifference while secretly hoping they'll still want to stick around even after I scorch the earth. I haven't been in a genuinely serious relationship for close to two years now, and I thought I'd worked through a lot of these demons. Naively, I thought the solution was to skew more towards emotional unavailability, adopting some of the same stereotypical tendencies single folks in New York exhibit. Frequent dating, but short-lived relationships matching the city's bustling activity with a similarly fast-paced approach to dating. But I was still focusing intensely on whether the person across from me was having a good time without a single consideration for what I actually thought of them. I was hyper-attuned to displays of affection just like I would in a more serious relationship, except things were still too early stage for the emotional stakes to feel substantial. Instead, the first few awkward dates feel like a dopamine-seeking game of collecting as much affection as I can. Courting in the early stages of casual relationships made me feel like a comedian workshopping new material at a local comedy cellar. As if dating was some sort of craft that can be honed, I was constantly fine-tuning the right stories, the right compliments, and the right romantic gestures in order to maximize perception I held in my partner's eyes. To be fair, I've had more than my fair share of bombs in getting booed off stage. Except comedians were practicing for a big upcoming show, whereas I was I don't even know. Do this long enough, and romance just becomes a soulless routine, exacerbated by the convenience of dating apps and a city full of incredibly interesting and attractive people. The curse of variety and availability is that dating can be fun, but can ultimately feel hollow and unfulfilling. Finally, a girl I was seeing had the courage to snap me out of my pernicious state of autopilot when she told me, Why does it feel like you're performing whenever we're together? Here I was, thinking I was a far more emotionally balanced romantic partner than the one who exhibited anxious attachment tendencies, when in reality, the same lingering insecurity hadn't been addressed at all. I still had this long-held subconscious belief that I wasn't worthy of feeling good about myself until someone could bestow that esteem upon me. And that sparked some critical self-reflection. Where did this self-serving need for affection come from? My psychology. Growing up, I idolized smooth-talking TV characters like Will Smith in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, just like I idolized athletic heroes like Kobe Bryant. I assigned an aspirational amount of value to men who seemed like... They could always find the right words to say and push all the right buttons to win someone over. Just like I needed good grades and awards to feel smart and capable, I pursued romantic partners in order to feel strong, interesting, and attractive. I craved affection just like I craved athletic, academic, and career success. Treating the general topic of romance like some challenging mountain that I can climb in order to achieve some higher order state of happiness. It's also why I've caught myself drawn to those who were more emotionally distant when you spend most of your life striving towards that next achievement it's easy to convince yourself that things are inherently more valuable when you have to work harder for it and despite knowing that inconsistent hot then cold behavior exacerbates my anxious attachment style i subconsciously thought affection was somehow more valuable if it didn't come easily Rather than working on my self-esteem, communicating with my partner, or just acknowledging that a relationship isn't good for either of us, I'd exhibit the same patterns of trying to win over someone's devotion. Dating turned into some superficial bandage over a wounded sense of worthiness, a distraction from actually working on my own sense of self-worth. Everything from the pressure I put on myself to succeed in my career, to the nagging feeling that I'm not good enough, and this recent realization that I've had an unhealthy need for romantic affection all stems from attaching my own worthiness to others' perceptions of me. I never actually learned how to define my own sense of worth. What I hope to work on. I'm grateful for the heartfelt conversations that have guided me over the past few months. Addressing these tendencies is still very much a work in progress, but I've narrowed down a CVS receipt length of action items into a few things that are top of mind for me in the near term. The first is focusing on connection. It hurts to admit how I've been consistently writing about being more intentional, and yet I haven't done it at all when it comes to romantic relationships. Dates can easily feel like some sort of performance, rather than an opportunity to actually get to know the person I'm trying to build a connection with. Am I excited to be around them? Do they inspire me? Am I happier with them? These are shockingly simple questions that I'll need to ask myself more often. The second is communicating my needs. Exhibiting insecure attachment means we have this fear that our partners will leave at the first sign of trouble. Relationships can feel brittle, so we paper over problems and red flags and suppress any feelings of uneasiness for fear of any sort of conflict. I'm learning to actually identify and communicate what I need from a relationship. It doesn't mean that I suddenly start keeping score and making things all about me, I believe the healthiest partners figure out what's best for the relationship rather than framing everything as my needs versus theirs. Instead, it's not letting fear stop me from asking how are things going, what doesn't feel right, and what do we need to address. And finally, defining my own self-worth. This last one is probably the most important because it transcends every aspect of my life. While our flaws and shortcomings always feel glaringly obvious during any self-improvement journey, I'm reminding myself that You don't need to be at some upper echelon of attractiveness, intelligence, and success to deserve love, happiness, and self-esteem. At the risk of sounding like a self-help cliche, we ultimately define our own worthiness. And if these takeaways feel redundant, it's probably because it jives with a lot of what I've been working through in my writing, being intentional about our time and energy, better understanding and communicating our own thoughts and feelings, and focusing on internal motivators rather than seeking external validation. For me, being kinder to myself is learning to accept that I'll continuously strive towards being a better human, but that my sense of self-worth is not gated by others' opinions of me. As a lifelong people pleaser, I know there's still a lot of progress to be made and that I won't flip this switch overnight. But I'm excited to do this work because I'm convinced they'll not only improve how I approach relationships, but all other aspects of my life as well. Thank you for listening.